Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Okay, and yes, we, we are recording. Uh, hello, Lee. Well, welcome. Welcome back. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, Chris. It is the morning, morning when we are recording this. Yes, the morning. And whenever the listener is listening, good. Is that the Truman Show? Good, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Did you ever watch that that film? You know, I I have watched that. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's right. Because he that says rings a bell. He, he says good morning, and he says in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And uh, I think I it, my my wife was watching the Social Dilemma that documentary the other day, um, and uh, and they referenced the Truman Show on there. And I think maybe that's why the Truman Show has just managed to get into my psyche because it was on um, it was on the TV, and so I saw uh, I saw Jim Carrey uh, as uh, Truman. I can't remember what his name was. Truman something. I was gonna. I was gonna. I was going to say Truman Capote, but that was a different person. Um, uh, he was an author? Something like that. And then I was going to say Harry Truman, but then he was the president. So Truman. I'm just going to call him Truman. So there we are. Um, so so yes. Uh, so yes. So good morning to you, Lee. And uh, it's a lovely morning. And it's a lovely morning to talk about a very um, a hot topic, shall we say. A... Uh, a news topic, and I, I, the, the thing is, we can talk about this because um, my good wife has even been asking me about this. And so, you know that when football uh, is a topic of interest to my wife, that it is something that is consumable for the masses, shall we say? So, I feel like we're not talk- we're not we're not going down a niche thing where people are going, oh, no one cares about football, or I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about that. I think that this is a really interesting topic, and. Uh, when I was tracking all about the European Super League, uh, my and the uh, the timely collapse of it too, I think it made me realise that this is a great time to talk about vision setting, uh, and because uh, suffice to say, I think that they made some mistakes along the way. Would you agree with me, Lee? Didn't, didn't this kind of like blow up and burn out? in a week yes and i'm sure there have been some church leaders that uh recognize the pain all too well so i think that this you know you know i could imagine there are some church leaders who have you know come up with a plan which they think is a great plan only to quickly realize that no one likes it and uh look i i do want i do want to play a card i'm not going to say this is my true thoughts on this but I do want to push back a little bit on, on what happened with it. Not, not that you can answer on behalf of everybody, but the, the, I'll, I'll answer on behalf of football. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that, yeah. that's fine. I know, I know you, I know you're friends with all of them in power. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, a lot of the responses back that I've seen as 
why not doing this a certain way or not wanting to proceed with it. And 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 I get the putting a small a small number of clubs on a pedestal is probably not a great idea. That I don't think that probably does something brilliant. But there was a lot entrenched in just talking about the traditions. And I'm like, that that's a conversation that I think a lot of churches have, especially when it comes to change or doing something new. And when you're about to launch is this, do we ever wrongly hold to a set of traditions? Now, we've talked about the kind of like, you know, like um, straw man and biases and, you know, all the different kind of things that come up. Is it also a case of it was the right conclusion, but the wrong argument? You know, those kind of things as well. You know, like, what does it look like? What was trying to be achieved? I don't know. There's, I think there's, it's probably going to be some kind of Netflix docuseries that's going to look like Fire Festival or one of the others that's been on there about, you know, <laughs> yes. in the corridors of power and, you know, when this was decided <laughs> and all sort of that. And you can absolutely see, you know, and interviewing all of those and, you know, talking to the common fan and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, there was a bit there for me. I was like going, are you, are you incorrectly defending some levels of tradition for the sake of actually progressing? Um, yeah, that, that, that was a bit. So probably the right outcome not to do it, not to put a small group of, you know, clubs or, you know, in our instances, you know, ministries and churches on in, into a pedestal or, you know, set them apart and make them something different. But I, I was interested in the argument, the rebuttal as to, how that was processed well here's the interesting thing with the the esl which is um the the premise that something is wrong with football and it needs to be fixed is was true because they you know and actually that that they actually had some common ground that they could start on the way the football structure is working is not right and needs to change and i think this is where it, it works really well with you know, if you're translating this into to church world, to get this, where, where we are now is not where we should be, mm. or where we could be. And getting a basis of that, of that urgency for change, if you get that thing and say, okay, l- let's start from that. We all agree something has to change. Now, if you start at that point, then the way you get to is, is not as in, like, it's, it's obviously very important. But where you get to is now now you can negotiate to, to towards a better future because you've got everyone to that starting point. And I think everyone everyone realizes that football does need to change. And most people re- recognize, but some people are kind of they what they'll do is they'll say they'll they'll reject it on the basis of tradition, but they also at the same time recognize things need to change. I think it's true in church life as well. We have people that don't want things to change, but we're also recognised that things can't stay the same. I've met I've met very few people in any walk of life that says everything needs to remain exactly as it was in the 1830s. I don't think anyone is actually there. Everyone knows that things need to change as time goes on, but it's just whenever whenever you put forward a change, then soon quickly traditions can be used to it's, you know, it's denigrating our traditions. It's, it's not holding to, you know, the, the history that we've had, all those kind of things. And um, I think that's a, 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 it's a, a, an easy way to be able to downplay a new idea. 
Um, mm. Uh, yeah, but I, I think, but I think that means that the work hasn't been done by the vision setters. And well, I think in this the, is the this is the other bit I want to pick up on is that it said things like that the clubs were joining, and you know, let's say church was going to do something. There were people in charge of these clubs making decisions of this magnitude, and employed people at you would say equally publicly visible senior levels had no idea. This, this kind of gets into um, stakeholder communication, which is, and if you're going to do this in church world, I would definitely recommend that you do this. And this is, you know, it can be a very simple chart uh, that what you realize is that what you don't want to go from is creating an idea. So you have a group that co-create an idea. That's fine. Because you can never have like everyone, you know, you couldn't have the world of football and all of the fans co-creating the future of football. It's impossible. You have to get down to a small group, for instance, 12 clubs, for instance. You know, that's where where it's going to come down to. It's always going to come down to a small group. It's always going to be 12 people or less often that's co-creating the future. But if you just go from there to then announcing it, you've just missed all of this point in between where it can be shaped and changed and honed. And yeah. so there are, there, I mean, and in stakeholder communication, there's, um, there's different layers. So you start off with co-creation is at the top. That's the, that's the first level. And they're the people that are in the room. Uh, let's say that, you know, in the football world, that's the clubs that, you know, that they, you know, the clubs that are wanting to create this ESL, they get in a room together and they work out what do they want to do. That's fine, and and the same with uh, the same in church. You get your leadership team together. They work out where do we want to go. Um, and now the and the big mistake that churches do is they do exactly what the ESL do. They go and announce it on a Sunday, and everyone gets upset about it because you know it's it, this is wrong, that's wrong, and this is wrong. And it's the same thing with I don't know if you remember uh, the uh, indicative votes back in the days of Bre- you know when Bre- you know remember this thing called Brexit. Um, what happened was some people put forward some ideas of how things could be done to get through. And it went, you know, they came up with the ideas and then they put it forward to a yes, no vote. And it was no every single time. And it's so easy to, to shoot something down that you've got no ownership of. Um, because if you've got no investment in it and, but you, yet you've got some kind of influence, it's very easy to shoot something down. So this is where stakeholder communication comes in. And so after co-creation, the next level down is consultation. There are people that need to be consulted. Now, uh, for the ESL, that would have been maybe a fans group, maybe you know UEFA, FIFA. Uh, it could have been some other you know big clubs. Talk to them and say, "Here's where we are. We would like your input on this to make this really good." Because yeah. remember, we all agree the thing needs to change, and we're trying to come up with a solution. Similarly, with your church. You go, okay, we recognize that, you know, we can't stay as we are. Things do need to change. Here's where we are. And maybe you're going to be talking to, I mean, especially your, you know, your board of trustees need to be, you know, your de facto go-to because they they should be having skills and experience and all that kind of stuff that will help you. But there'll be other people that could be 
uh, experts in certain fields or uh, could be people that just um, people that you respect and have they have high influence or things like that that you might want to might want to consult with now that doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily go and like scrap everything but you, you need them to have a voice into that because actually the uptake of something is going to be uh, and and it becoming a good plan well it needs to be shaped by them and so you do need to have some people that you're going to consult especially people i think with expertise let's say you're going to go you know as a church you're going to go for a new building or something if you've got an architect or you know structural engineer in your church it's probably worth you know even if they're not doing the job themselves consulting with them because they'll give you a perspective that you you, you don't get elsewhere so there are groups of people that you need to consult with and that's just exactly what the esl didn't okay do. so i'm gonna ask um what about when you come into that consulting piece so in this instance the learnings you can get from people who are different to you but have done similar things so from the sport point of view there are other leagues around the world who've done things to sort some of the problems that maybe we see now in football so I, you know, maybe maybe not maybe one of the, the the best examples for this moment in time, but like the the NFL in America did a lot with salary caps and budgets and you know shifting. Formula One is going that kind of way. Um, again, although that's another American-owned sport now, but you know, let's not get into the politics of that when it comes to English football. Um, but there's that element of as a church, do we sometimes? forget to ask people in different you know sectors and areas of life who've tackled similar problems because we don't want that we don't necessarily want how they solved it or we don't want the solution that they have we do want the principles of how they did it because there are so many rich learnings in how people processed some of that that we could apply you know there's not a rule book of, of doing some of these things especially major projects and major shifts and um, so that's one thing I want to ask is like, you know, where do we look to the side? Is there any value in that? Is that a thing we sometimes neglect as a church? My other one is, what do you do for those people who are protecting a tradition that they didn't even institute or create or come up with? They're kind of like, you know, I've seen some of these fans and I'm I'm pretty sure that on the esl stuff this these guys are in their like their 20s some of them may be early 30s defending things that clearly predate them and what do you do to address that the context of how the original decision was made and to talk about the context within which we're making a decision today because i found that in talking some things he's like no that decision fitted back then because of x x no longer exists today so therefore the context for a decision is now y and we don't, and people don't understand that. And so we protect the wrong thing. So that's a bit, where can we look wider? And how do you understand yeah. the context of the current decision? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, definitely looking wider, I think is a really valuable endeavor. Uh, so yeah, in the, in the football example, you know, looking to other sports, getting in consultation from different areas of people that will give different perspectives, political figures would have been helpful, but in the church world, definitely let's look at other churches or other denominations uh, that, um, or other 
in other industry, I've used industries with air quotes. You would be able to hear me on the podcast. Um, you know, other industries. So, you know, other sectors and other businesses and things like that, that will give a really different perspective. I think it's just, that makes things stronger because that, that difference of opinion, you know, as long as the, you know, you've got to have that clear objective at the beginning of like, we, we are, we're aiming to create something new to take, you know, you, you, you're moving towards something better. And so as long as that doesn't stay, you know, and you may, maybe it's worth having those kind of, uh, you've got some guiding principles or strategic anchors, you'd call them as well, just things that are going to guide your decision making. So, you know, w- for instance, you know, we're not going to be chasing profit, for instance, could be one for a church, you know, so a new building is not going to be about profit or, you know, so that that might then go, okay, we're not going to allow these kind of things to happen when we create a building, those kind of things. You have those things in place. And then what you can do is you can invite uh, and get consultation from a wide variety of people that are going to help shape it and give that, and, and they have different life experiences and different things that will help you find good solutions. Because sometimes the what you think is what you want to do, there may be a better way to to do it. And sometimes when you consult with someone, they will actually throw open your thinking entirely. So for instance, you know, there were many churches 20 years ago that when, when their service got started to get too big, they used to think about a, a bigger service or sorry, a bigger building. And then what they, and then someone at some point said, well, you do realize that you could just have, two services and that was like a brand new thought for everyone that actually running two separate services and then you know and then you hit with the you know you hit up against the tradition which is well how can we all be together all those kind of things and you've got to work through those traditions and it's interesting because i'm i mean i'm quite a forward-thinking kind of person generally quite you know I'm, i'm someone that advocates for change that's you know that's kind of my job really is you know but in that but I actually have a, a strong appreciation for tradition because I think that tradition uh, is actually getting at something that's very, very deep. You know, if you look at something like com- communion is in one sense, a tradition. Um, now we don't like to call it that because we're, we, you know, tradition we often like to think is a, we think is like a bad thing or some people think it's a good thing, but, but it's something that is done for a long time becomes a tradition. The problem with tradition is when you when you forget why you're doing it, then it becomes something that is behavioral only and it loses all of its power. So you always have to go back with every tradition and go, okay, why are we doing it? And is that still applicable in this case? So, you know, you could have a tradition to do a certain activity, which is might be just only your church does. And that might've been for a specific reason. I remember you telling me about um, a, a church that had a, uh, they set their service time to be in line with the bus timetable. So they set a tradition in place. That's a great tradition. They want to make yeah, sure that it people, seems sensible. It definitely seems sensible. Let's set it in time with when people can get there because the bus arrives at this time. And so that tradition comes in place that we'll, we'll make sure that we set the service time in line with the bus timetable. Problem is the bus didn't run since 1973 or whatever it was. And so that tradition is now no longer beneficial in light of the context that we're in. And that means that, so you have to re so all traditions, so the tradition is good. The reason why it was brought in, great reason. Got no problem with that. Yeah. But is it still applicable given the circumstances that you are now in? And, and that, actually, is there yeah. a, 
is there a better tradition that needs to be made? And I think that's the interesting thing is everyone that's, you know, every tradition starts with change. <laughs> you know, a tradition is always something new. Is uh, I remember uh, seeing a church that had this quote uh, in their lobby, which was a, I think it was a Mark Twain quote, which is, uh, is, is tradition isn't, uh, tradition isn't wearing your grandfather's hat. It's buying a new one like he did. Um, because the tradition was that he, he actually bought the, the new hat. And sometimes, sometimes you want to wear your grandfather's hat, but so actually he bought the new one. So, uh, the tradition often is change and, uh, change is actually therefore greater than the tradition itself because it all, all tradition starts with change. Um, so I, I've just gone a long way around to say that, um, that actually, yes, we do need to have wider consultation let's go and and anything that promotes change will then bring in yes but that's changing the way that we've always done things but that can be a really good thing and but there's some and, and if you get to the why of some things you might go actually because that because of that tradition we know why we do it we will we will shape our plan it doesn't mean you stop your plan but we will shape our plan to fit that so for instance let's put that in, into the the ESL uh, example which is the tradition of promotion and relegation within within club football is a long-standing rep, um, tradition. Now, is that does that tradition still hold? Well, what they, re they realised it wasn't just about promotion and relegation. It was about that feeling of competition that you earn your place. That you so does that tradition still hold? Yes. So what they could have done, a simple consultation at that at that simple stage could have gone right. We're going to revise our plan to include promotion and relegation because we know that it doesn't work unless people feel like they can earn it. And and that's not that doesn't mean that they're stopping to get their aims. Now you could argue with the ESL that they were trying to hoard power and all that kind of stuff. But let's let's speak charitably of them. Um, and uh, and because because we're trying to find a way that we can put this into the church context as well that let's say that they they had good aims let, let's for this example and and, and i think people that are uh, assessing vision are everyone everyone has good intentions they want to bring good meaningful change but that but finding something will mean that you need to change it like in the esl example they could have they could have put in promotion and relegation could have found a way to do that to to, to make it better um so that was the first one what was your second question i can't actually remember um about so the first yeah the, the first one was about looking wider the second one was about um helping people understand that new context the context of the decision before so they're not incorrectly you know aligning to a, a tradition that's not theirs oh okay yes yeah um yeah i think probably i think i'll probably answer that one uh i, I think that looking at the the tradition side of things that all that links together nicely so right what i will do then i'll move on to so we were talking stakeholder communication and uh, we had that consultation was the first level well second level so we've got co-creation as the first level uh consultation is the second level the third level is what I, what we class as test you've always got to test this especially when it's a big plan with someone with a group of people there's going to be people that you just need to know if it lands well with these people, it will land well with many people. So, for instance, in the European Super League example, 
the, a test a test person that they could have gone and spoken to would have been someone like uh, Gary Neville, you know, pundit on or ex footballer, pundit on Sky Sports, or uh, Gary Lineker, you know, the presenter on the BBC. These people who are highly, highly influential. Um, that uh, if it lands well with them you know it's going to land well with the fans because they have such an influential voice. And there will be people in your church that you know, these people, you know, they're just, you know, they're leaders in their environment. They're just, they are people that have, uh, they have a strong, they have strong sway. They've got, they're, they're just, they're, they're, they're people of, of influence. And all they are, I think even, even stronger than that is, they are people that embody the culture of your church really well. And, you know, they are the people that kind of carry what it means to be your church. And every church has those kind of people that are just, you know, those great people that you just know, okay, yeah, they're, they're just real, uh, they're real good, you know, cultural fit in your church. And you want to test it with them and say, look, this is what we're planning. This is what we're thinking. How does that land with you? And they might have some questions, reservations, and that from that you might be able to make some some tweaks, but at this stage you're kind of in the tweak stage because the consultation should hopefully weed out a lot of the big structural problems in your plan. Let's go on to the fourth category. So, oh no, actually, before we do that, Lee, tell me about, so on that testing piece, how have you found that to work? How have you found that sort of testing it with people? Uh, have you had experience of that? Have you seen that work well? Have you seen that work badly? It, it's, so this is what I'm going to go down to. Any, any, any process like this, if you're trying to raise and test, it can't you can't land it on people there still needs to be an understanding of what you're about it's where facilitation comes into play um with any of these things i think you need to understand the process that you're going through give people clarity on what you're asking give them assurances um let them know uh why we're looking at this and what the, you know, what the outcome is going to be. We're not putting it there to just go, this is a courtesy and whatever you say, we're going with it. If you're genuinely testing it, genuinely test it. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? That, that's, that's where we, um, that, that's where we're at. Um, so yeah, that's, that, yeah, that's the bit. It's facilitated. I think you need you need to treat that as um, it's not. You know, don't don't email it out one by one and let back conversations happen. You've got to get out ahead of it with clarity and make sure that any of that setup is done well. So I've seen it like it, it it's done well when people feel comfortable and safe. If yeah. you are really about to you know pull the rug on something that seriously matters to these you know, everybody involved. Um, 
it can be destabilizing. So, you know, the, the setup is that it's not going to happen quickly. Um, and it doesn't, you shouldn't make it look like it's already been decided in secret. That's the big one. So if you're asking for feedback and you want to test it and you're seeing how it lands is, and, you know, we, we talk about this, get people used to the idea that something needs to change and we've got a direction, but we haven't landed the destination. So everything yeah. they're informing is helping shape and mould the thing that we're moving to. Yeah. Actually, this comes into the kind of visionary communication bit, which we can talk about uh, but after we get into the stakeholder communication. Um, because giving people that, asking for permission to start thinking of the future, I think is a really important step in allowing people, so people know. I think we've got this thing, and I think this is the thing that the ESL fell into, was that the, the big reveal was the all-important thing. We've got to keep it hush-hush, and and then we're going to have the big reveal and everyone's going to go, wow, it's the big presentation. And I, I, I'm not quite sure if it's as valuable as we think it is. We think we all, when we think about vision setting, we always think about, you know, the big Sunday morning, we're going to present it all. Everyone's going to be like, wow. And it's going to be this big presentation moment. But in reality, actually, I think vision communication works best when it's, um, when it's for majority of people, especially when it gets announced, you know, you need to get to an announcement and I'll talk about that in a second, but when it's, it's not actually particularly brand new news for people is actually the better way for it to work. That it feels like it's just, it's coming up to something and actually it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's actually a, a natural end to a, a process that was already started is a much better way than trying to keep it quiet. I, this is, I think I recognize this in my, uh, when I started leading in church world, I wanted to try and keep it, you know, you want to try and keep it under wraps and keep it quiet because when you want to launch a vision, you want it to be this big power moment, but that's, that rarely is very effective at all. It's better for it to be actually worked out quite slowly um, because actually it allows people that time to, to digest it and, and that works a lot better. And um, what I do is I'll go into the, the next stage. So after test, um, and by this point, you've actually spoken to quite a lot of people. So co-create, you've had a small group of people. Then you've consultation, you've consulted a number of people inside the church, outside the church who've got expertise, key insights into the, you know, how this is going to be rolled out. The next stage is test. You're going to test it with people who are going to be strong, uh, who are strong culturally, who have this kind of, who have got a sense of, you know, how this is going to land with people. So you've tested it. Uh, and you've made changes and tweaks based upon those things. So all of this is being shaped all of the time. The next one is actually now, now we're going into the next level where uh, changes are, are going to be a lot less. And this is the sell category. So this is where you're going to sell the vision. And I, I think this is an important step because we think that um, we do the selling of a vision on, you know, the Sunday morning and you do the presentation and, you know, and you expect people to come along with you. But actually the selling happens before that. The sell happens with people who are going to have, because there's going to be people that have to roll this out. And there are some people that you, they're going to have to roll this out. And they don't, you know, in, in larger churches, especially you get that, that, you know, you can't, not everyone can be consulted on, on things. Not everyone can be, it can be tested on. There's certain 
it comes a certain point where you've just got to sell this to people and you've got to sell it well. And But the selling part is actually allowing people to wrestle with it really well. And maybe I should call it wrestle instead of sell. That you allow people to wrestle with it, ask loads of questions, ask difficult questions, really um, get the, it's helping, it's giving them the opportunity to get their head around it, for them to understand it, for them to be. Because a lot of the time, the people that you want to have in this kind of sell category, they've got to go and talk to and they've got to outroll it to a team. Uh, and they've got to, uh, they've got to work with people on this, you know, they've got to, they've got to own this. So you need to have, you need to allow people that time to, to wrestle with it. I remember, um, talking with, uh, someone who consults in the U S and in the UK and, um, and he said that where things often fall down is, at, is at the join when you're, when you're delivering, you know, you're, you're bringing vision down. And then the people that have got to sort of outwork that it's when they don't have enough time to wrestle with it and for them to, to own it as their own, that actually that's where things fall down. It's at the join between people. And, and what you have to do is you have to allow people, give people enough time to really get their head around it and to ask lots and lots of difficult questions. Now, it doesn't mean that you'll make it doesn't mean you make any changes at all necessarily, but it's helping them to understand it, helping them to understand the process that you've gone through um, so that they can really feel like they own it and understand the pro you know, they understand the process you've gone through. They understand why you're doing it. They understand what it's going to mean, what it's going to mean for them. And I think that's all part of the, the, the cell, or maybe I'll, I might start renaming it wrestle. Cause I quite like wrestle allowing pe the people that you're going to allow them to wrestle with this idea um, and, and come to get to grips with it. Yeah, it, it is almost like a second phase of it's it is stress testing it as well and trying to yeah. understand not just the first order impact, but the second order. So there's many things where you make a decision and then you have unexpected consequences down the line. You're trying to think through the unexpected consequences um, so that you've got as many things covered as possible. But at the same time, it's also understanding you're never going to address everything. Actually, are you prepared that when you set off on this, you might need to tweak and change over time? And I think that's the idea of like refining and continuous improvement is that this is where we're going, but we're going to have to make adjustments, you know, either season by season or year by year um, as we go, because you don't know what might happen. Um, could be a global pandemic it's yeah. you know it's those kind of things it's not being rigid in it or setting yourself up to such an extent that it's another one and done actually what does this look like In all of this process, I remember um, an example my pastor told me, and he said that um, he said if, if you think of um, when you're a pastor of a church, it's like you're the captain of a, a ship. He said when you're docking a ship, what happens is that you have you, you put people all around the ship, and they're calling out to you. You know, you're two meters from the side, and then there'll be other persons. You're three meters from the side, and they're seeing things from their perspective, and they're giving you useful information, but only you have the perspective of the whole. 
Um, and, and actually, so in all of these things, you have to, if you don't listen to those people, you'll crash because you're hit the mm. side because you, because even when you've got the perspective of the whole, it, if you don't take those, those soundings from the, the areas, you, you won't know how close you are to the side on things. And you could end up, you can end up doing a Suez canal on things, which I'll call it a Suez canal. Um, and, but so you have to listen to these people all throughout it, but that does mean that sometimes to get the boat into the dock, it's going to feel uncomfortable for some people because, you know, you, you know, it's five centimeters to the side, but you, but what you don't realize is that you're three centimeters to the side on the, on the other side. And it's actually a really tight fit. And actually, so someone might feel uncomfortable on this side, but I'm realizing that, that they're, they're doing the best for the organization, for the church to get you through. And I really like that, that it, what it means is that listening is really vitally important, allowing people to wrestle with it and to help. And your job is then to, you know, when you're talking with someone, you're helping them say, I hear you. I hear you. Here's, here's my perspective as well. The whole perspective and trying, you're trying to get people to, to understand your perspective, understand other people's perspective on it. And, and so that, that you can, take people forward together and i think that's i think you're right in that as you go on you know every visionary plan is never a set in stone or shouldn't be a set in stone thing there's always going to be little tweaks and in fact every every visionary plan that i've uh been involved with uh facilitated church with there's so many areas of we've still got to work this out we don't quite know you don't often you don't know what you don't know until you come across it and so there's always that element of having to tweak and listen and change and that means that that kind of that you know that ongoing nature of of of, of listening and and hearing as it goes on means that you're going to slightly tweak and adjust course and and fine tune as you go along and i think allowing people to wrestle with it means that you will you know there will be some fine tuning that that goes on because someone might say something you know and you just never thought about it or never realized it because you know how could you know that until until someone said it you know and i think that's really important um okay i'll go on to the final uh part so we've gone co-create then we've gone uh, consult, then we've gone test, then we've gone sell. And then the last one is actually the bit that we all jump to, which is the, called the tell. This is the big visionary, you know, the launch, hey, amazing vision well, launch. That, that's, that's the fun bit, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I think we often do that. We often do that poorly as well. Um, poorly and, and prematurely. Poorly um, and prematurely, yeah, usually. Uh, and, and often we don't give enough clarity and it, that's something that we need to work through really well. And it's the tell, which is we are doing this and we are going. This is this is the bit in the ESL where they announced it. <laughs> but because they didn't do all of that pre-work, they just had no, they had no support. They had so many things that had they tweaked it along the way. At the point of tell, they would have actually had a load of people on side going, you know what, this is a change. It's a difference. But you know what, it's worth going for. If they consulted with the right people, tested it with the right people, made those tweaks and changes along the way, made it a, made it a longer term thing, I think they could have done really well. And I think this is where it gets into the the visionary communication side of things because uh, you need to talk differently at different stages of your vision setting and vision casting. And you know, you, you start with at the kind of the vision stage, which is where we are now is not where we could be. Yeah, 
and and you want to sort of set through set in place a this is where we could be and actually there's sometimes a bit of a pre-step which i i like which is we're at the end of our, our last cycle would you give us permission to start dreaming of the next cycle because we can't stay where we are and um because in visionary communication you're taking people on this kind of ongoing journey these and you're moving from one cycle to the next cycle to the next cycle and i quite like it it's a good place to start is at the end of the last cycle to say look we are where we are whether that's good or bad and some re- sometimes it's good look church is going great but we can't stay here you know now we've we've done what we said we we're going to do or we haven't done what we said we we're going to do we can't stay here will you we are now going to take time to pray, ask God for the next step in the journey. And I think that what that does is it primes everyone to let everyone know that actually change is going to come and you could be in a good place. You could be in a bad place, but we said we we are going to start, you know, praying, planning for the next stage. And we will let you know in due course. I think if the ESL did that to say, hi there, we formed a group and we want to think about how we can make football better. We don't know what that's going to be yet, but we'll let, you know, we're, mm. that something like that could have actually worked better. And then they can come back in a, you know, 12 months time and, and they can then deliver this, uh, a, a large, you know, uh, that big visionary communication. This is where we are now, but this is where we could be kind of thing. But after they've gone through all of that consultation, testing, uh, all of those stages, um, but they've, they've, they've primed everyone to know that it's coming. So it doesn't just come out of the blue. Um, and often you can do that. Uh, you know, a lot of churches do that very well by having a, you know, a yearly, uh, vision Sunday. That's a, um, that's often a really good way of being able to go, you know, we know that vision is coming because we have a vision Sunday every January, you know, so we know that the, the talking about the new talking about the next thing is going to happen. So I think that can be a really good way of, uh, of priming people for things to come. What, what else do you need to link it back to that? It becomes common in how we discuss it. Cause it, I, I, I get the vision Sunday, but there's got to be an element of a thread that is every Sunday. Yeah, that's right. I think, what you don't want to do is just have talk. You don't want to talk about vision just once a year because actually that makes it worse sometimes. Uh, because uh, because what's going to happen is people are going to be like, mm-hmm, so uh, so did you actually do that? Uh, whereas everyone knows that when you do uh, when you have when you're setting in vision and you're putting it in play, things change as things go on, and actually that constant communication of, of vision is actually a really good idea. I think that actually a good way to do it. I mean, we, we recommend, uh, churches think about OKRs. So goal setting. Uh, and so that means that at least once, once every quarter, so four times a year, talk, talk about what happened in the last three months and reset vision for the next quarter. And then once a year set the, we're going to do this in 2022 thing. Um, so at least every quarter, I think it's worth taking time. Now you can find the forum to do that. You know, you could do that on a Sunday morning, if you want, you could do that as a midweek meeting, if you want to do that, you know, or a zoom thing, um, whatever you want to do. And then I think it's kind of like peppering vision throughout, you know, everything. So you're trying to always link what you're doing to where you're going and to what you're doing and what God's called you to do. And you just, you, you pepper that in, you know, when you're hosting on a Sunday, when you're preaching on a Sunday, it always, you know, you're just peppering it through so that it always yeah. remains 
at this kind of level so that it's never because what i think what's 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 bad is is when you what you don't want to do is set vision forget about it then bring it back a year year later that's not a great way to to take people with you and vision is all about taking people with you and so if you want yeah. to take people with you they need to be constantly updated it needs to be something that's continually in them and i think you, church leaders are very rarely over talk about vision in fact i don't think you really probably can over talk about vision most people forget things really really quickly and you need to continually talk about them uh but what is interesting when i say people forget about it they will remember the things that you know if you've made a we're going to go down we're going to say this you know if you said you're going to plant this number of churches or grow to this size interestingly people remember those things quite quickly and uh, if you just try and sweep it under the rug and then just launch a new vision people haven't people haven't forgotten that but they will forget they'll forget some bits of the you know of the plan of what you're going to do and that's where you need to continually talk about things fantastic so just recap go over that process from the start again um and yeah. obviously we recommend that it is a facilitated process throughout obviously obviously there's a little we, plug for the work that we do but facilitation actually goes a long way to helping provide a process to what you're doing that would actually look at a lot of the things that could come up and you know derail things before they happen but yeah chris from the top recap those items for us yeah so uh first one is co-create so they're the that's the people that your leadership team you're putting the plan together you're you're, you're in the room and you're wrestling with the what what could that be it's all gonna you know working out what the plan's gonna be the next level is consult these are people of uh who've got expertise significant uh, you know, weight carries in your church that you think, right, we, those people we need to consult because they're going to really strongly shape the plan. Uh, and they're going to be important voices, especially people who are, uh, have that kind of expertise in certain areas. The next level is test. These are people who are, uh, have strong kind of that cultural fit in your church. So they're people that, um, you just want to test it with. And if it, if it works well with them, then it's going to work well with everyone. And so you can test it with them and, and, and they'll highlight things of where it's off track really, really quickly. And so you want to always test it with them. The next one is sell. And that's the people that you want to give that time to wrestle with it because they're going to be the ones that have got to do a lot of outworking of things. Often they've got to, uh, they're going to have to lead areas of this. They've got to be part of the effort and you, you've you got to allow them that time to wrestle through things, ask difficult questions allow them to ask as many questions to be able to really own it. And that's the big thing on that cell thing, uh, the cell part of things. And then the last section is tell. That's the fun bit where you get to give the big visionary speech and, uh, and you, you know, bring everyone along, you, you know, you have the the slogans and the banners and all that kind of stuff and the, whatever it is to, to take people along with you. That's, that's the bit we all think about when we do vision setting, but it's all of those bits in place before that, that actually sets the vision strongly. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's the stakeholder communication plan. Fantastic. If only they'd called us in, at the ESL, <laughs> if, if only could have just been avoided. I think so. I think, I honestly, think with the ESL, it's interesting because I, I, when I when I heard it, I, the first thing I thought was, I, I've not heard a single positive voice about this 
But then what you realize quite quickly is, and you know, reading a few bits and pieces is that they just didn't talk to anyone about it. And then, and they just had massive blind spots because it was mostly cooked up by billionaire owners, uh, often, you know, who are used to American sports. And so they had a certain idea of what they thought it would work. People who you would think would know. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to say as well on this, you know, the word of encouragement, it's, you know, people can get this wrong. Yeah. So actually, you know, what we've got at stake is, is just as big because, you know, we're, we're dealing with things, um, people and actually everybody, everybody matters in those processes. It's, it's worth the time to get it right. But if you're committed to improving it, you don't have to hold so tightly to the outcome because that then can be, be, you know, your setting direction and the destination becomes the secondary piece in that. You just, you can just relax a little bit more about going, I want in my time to see this improve and take it yeah. forward and then go through this. And I think it gives comfort that people also know that you've got to show that you're willing to make a change if something isn't quite right. So we don't incorrectly hold to things for the sake of holding to them. That's, yeah, that's, right. that's kind of my takeaway from this is that actually, and do I do that elsewhere in my work life, personal life? Am I holding on to methods and processes that are ways of doing it that aren't, aren't now fit? Um, you know, we've, we've all done that in an environment because of COVID, you know, working ways and schooling and all sorts of things and access to stuff has changed rapidly. But I'm wondering, you know, it's time to look. It is time to look and, and work someone out. So thank you, Chris. You've really uh, um, spiked my interest in a number of those things. And there's certainly a bunch of takeaways there that I can take and, and use elsewhere as well. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And I will, uh, I will see you next week. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, Just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We will see you soon. Bye for now.